Welcome to the Celeb Vibes Podcast, conversations for influential creatures, big deals, and the almost famous. I'm your host, Elisa Owen, business coach and grounded mentor. I've been an entrepreneur for over a decade, built a multi six-figure coaching business from the ground up, and have transformed my relationship with money. My mission is to help you unleash your inner celebrity and become the coach you know you're meant to be. It's time to learn, grow, and heal in the limelight. Let's go. Hi. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever this podcast is finding you. I hope you are having a good day so far. All right. Last week, I received a question from a client that got me thinking. And that's what I want to talk about today. She asked, have you ever been in a situation where your client accused you of not getting the results you promised? Mm-hmm. Just let that sink into your body for a second. The word accused <laughs> was used. Whew, accusations coming my way, right? She was wondering, if that happened to me, how I handled it and what my thoughts were about the situation. And I love that she asked this question. I have found it so helpful to think more about this question and just be opening myself up bit by bit more and more to criticism, to dislike, to the realities of as we get bigger in our businesses and have a bigger voice and become more triggering to those around us, what are the consequences of that? And it might be getting accused of not getting the results that you promised. So my short answer to this question was, no, I haven't been accused to my face of not delivering on results. I have had plenty of other awkward moments with clients, disagreements, um, where we're not thinking, we don't have the same idea about the coaching that is given. I have not followed through on things that I said I was going to do and then got called out by a client before I have received unsolicited feedback. We'll get we'll come back circle back to that part on the feedback. Um, I have had clients leave coaching containers early. No one has ever used the words, I didn't get the results that you promised, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't thought, right? So I started wondering, as I was thinking about answering this question, because I, of course, I did not just want to leave it at, no, that hasn't happened to me before. She's asking because what if this happens to me, right? We're thinking ahead on, I'm afraid of this might happen. So I started wondering, what if this what if this happened now? What if someone said to me, I didn't get the results I thought it was going to, or I'm disappointed, or you said you would fill in the blank and you didn't do that. That's not what happened. And I know none of us are able to predict the future and we can't do the work for our clients in the same way a personal trainer can't do the push-ups for their client. But what can we control? That's what I want to talk about here. That's what I want to walk you through. So firstly, the top, the top, the topic of lines of communication. 
opening up lines of communication. When I look back at how I've accepted feedback during my practice in the last four years, I have mostly avoided feedback at all costs. I don't think I'm alone in this. I'm not proud to say it, but I also don't believe that I'm alone. I think this is a normal thing for a lot of coaches that I work with. We are assuming the best, not asking for feedback, and kind of carrying on with blinders, with fingers crossed, with like looking for where's the proof that everything actually is going fine without me having to ask and make sure that everything is going fine, right? I wanted testimonials in like speaking of my past. I wanted testimonials, which are generally viewed as a positive light shed on a company. I know that that isn't required in a testimonial, But for the most part, this has been my experience with testimonials. That's part of why they're being asked for them, right? And it's how they're being used. So when we're asking for a testimonial, if we don't get a positive one, then how is that being used? Well, we're probably not putting that on our website. But what are we doing with it? Good to consider. I never really encouraged straight up feedback, And until this year, actually, I saw some businesses, some coaches being talked about on social media, on Reddit. I was reading all the things. And as I was doing that, two things happened. One, it scared me. I became really afraid. I really questioned my industry. It made me think over how I'm running my business and helped me to redecide on how I want to run it. So some things stayed the same and others were shifted, including setting standards that I talked through my clients through at the beginning of all of our relationships and then asking for feedback. So this looks like when a new client and I get together and we have our first call, I go through a list of standards of what they can expect from me, how I'm going to be showing up in the container. And it just provides that initial point of communication around, we can talk about these things. If you don't like how I'm showing up, bring it to me. I'm just saying that straight straight out the gate. And then the other thing that's been implemented for me is sending out a (laughs) survey halfway through our work together. Actually, it's sooner than halfway through. I'm thinking about my mastermind that I'm running right now. And I sent one out eight weeks in. And then I'll be sending another one out pretty soon here. Because I didn't want to just have one, a one point of contact on this. I wanted to at least have two points of contact where they could provide feedback to me before we were close to the end, right? Like I want to be making adjustments sooner rather than later. So The survey thing has become new, and I did send it out to one-on-one clients as well. So within these surveys, I am asking about how has the support been with me? On a scale of 1 to 10, how is the support from Elisa? They say their number. They explain to me why. And I ask similar kinds of questions around 
how Voxer usage is, if we are in a group like in the mastermind, how supportive has the group been? Is there anything else that has been left unsaid that you have been wanting to bring to my attention or is now the time to say something? So it's just, it's open. They can say what they need to say in a Google Forms survey. The first time I sent these out, I did not want to read them. It was really interesting because I expected to get five stars, five out of five stars. I was like, oh, they're going to have nothing but good things to say. That was not the case. It wasn't anything terrible, but there was constructive feedback. And that was the point of the survey anyway. It was very interesting to see how my brain was convinced, oh, you are an A plus student. This is going to be, this is going to be great. Not so much. So I had to feel the feelings of that. That was really what was required, was feeling the feelings and then taking out these useful bits of information so I could make the tweaks on my end to show up differently or not. I mean, that's the other option, right, is to not make the changes and maybe have a discussion about it. So that was something that actually did happen when I sent these surveys out. There, I do, I have a client who has found out using Voxer is not her favorite. And it's not something that I'm able to change or I'm going to change, I guess, mid-contract. But I now know this and it has me thinking on what do I want to shift for next time around? How do I want to make things more accessible for people, easier to use? And if nothing else, sending out the survey getting feedback and actually reading through it was such an important point of expansion for me because it allowed me to feel so much and lead myself through that. It was an amazing practice in leading myself through uncomfortable feels, not to mention all of the valuable information that came out of it. So that's my first comment about this entire situation is how are my lines of communication open with my people already? How do I want to add that piece in so that my people can be heard? If we look at any kind of feedback crap that comes up with celebrities or in the media or about a company, so often people are getting more and more upset because they're not being heard. So how can I make sure that my people are being heard? It doesn't mean an automatic change or that you're going to implement what they're suggesting, right? But at least having a form format, a place where they can be heard. How are you doing that? Okay, the second thing that I want you to think about when we're considering how am I protecting myself and my clients from results that neither of us want or that aren't expected. I really like to ask myself, what if I'm responsible for their results? What if it's my job? We've already established earlier, and we know this, one human cannot get results for another human. I can definitely get my daughters the result of eating pancakes in the morning by making them myself, but I can't get them the result of confidence in making them if they're making them themselves, right? So let's roll with the pancake example. So I'm able to provide the pancakes all day long if needed, 
but the result of them feeling confident in creating the pancakes themselves, they have to do that. What if I decided I'm actually responsible for getting them the result of confidence in pancake making? Okay, are you with me? (laughs) If this is on me, and it's something they desire to achieve, what can I do? So we're not forcing people to do anything. We're clearly using an analogy that's like, my client desires this result. I help provide this result. And now how am I going to take on the responsibility in a healthy way for helping them get there? So one, if we're, we're going with pancakes on this one. I know I, I can know my pancake making process, my favorite way to do it, all of my tips. I can, you know, really get into the nitty gritty about how do I do this? I can get really clear on it and get the step by step, the tools, the ingredients, how long to mix, temperature to cook, right? And then I can share that with them. And I can wonder, what would be the best way to share this information? Do I write it out and have them read it? Do I make a video? Do I do it alongside them? Do I do a combination of these things? I can also schedule time for us to practice and invite them to join me. I cannot make them join me for practice, but this is me doing my half scheduling time for us to practice. And when I'm thinking about the pancake practicing, I can show up prepared to that practice with new techniques, maybe have new ingredients to experiment with. I could have aprons made for them with their names on it and get them their own mixing bowls and make it kind of fun. I could set them up at the table so they're able to reach the stuff more easily instead of reaching up onto the counter. I could bring no expectations to what their attitude is going to be while learning. Hear this one. Hear this one. Bring no expectations about their attitude while they're learning. This has been a point of conversation for me and my clients kind of a lot in the last couple of weeks around expectation around how our clients should be showing up and that equals I'm doing a good job. What if it doesn't? Because it doesn't. When my kid's pancake doesn't come out right, aka my person not getting the results they want, I can remind them we're practicing and everything we want to master requires practice. So this big old list, it's not even everything. But these are eight things that I thought of when I was wondering if it were my responsibility to create confidence in pancake making, what is it that I can do? And if you answer this for yourself, for your people, for your clients, or your kids making pancakes, you are probably already doing a whole bunch of stuff that you're not taking credit for. And then it also shows you where the gaps are. Where can I be sharpening up? How could I be coming in with more support or more more helpful information? What are the places where my people are getting tripped up? What's the thing that they keep needing help with? How can I learn more about that and bring that to the table or suggest they try something in a brand new way? So I know as coaches, something that we talk about, and even as moms, if you are also a mom with young people, 
the timeline is none of our business. We don't know the day that our our child is going to be able to count to 10 or read a chapter book, just like we don't know the day our client is going to hit the 10 pounds lost mark or sign their sign a new client or hit 100k or feel really effing good in a way they haven't felt good in forever. We don't know what that date's going to be. And I think sometimes we get into a bit of a slippery spot when we lean on the fact that the timeline is none of our business or we don't know the timeline. But it's okay that we don't know the timeline. We still have the power to to step in with these practices where we're asking ourselves, what if the results were on me. What would I do? How would I help them? I've used this question a lot as I have shown up for my clients in the second half of this year, especially as as I have been hosting this mastermind for the first time. I keep asking myself, what if it were on me? What would I do? It really prevents me from having a leaned back attitude. And you're really, you're finding this sweet spot, right? Where we're not attached to them showing up in a certain way. We're not attached to any particular result. It's just asking more of ourselves is really what it is. We're not asking more of them, actually. We're asking more of us. So, I am talking about us holding the duality of this truth, okay, with what could really be possible. What if it was on me? All right, the third piece that I want you to think about, if you do have complaints coming your way in one form or another, is wondering which complaints are getting my energy and attention. So I hate to tell you this, but We are not in the business of avoiding complaints. That isn't the point. That's not why we're showing up. We're not trying to stay off of Reddit. We're not trying to make sure that no one is talking bad about us. And the more that we are showing up more powerfully, even if this means just posting more photos of ourselves or talking about divorce on the socials, people will be talking about that. What we're doing is triggering, and it was always supposed to be. So we're not in the business of avoiding triggering people, avoiding talk about us. And people will talk. They're going to talk for all kinds of reasons that we do not need to dive into in this moment, because all we can focus on and control is ourselves. So the question to ask yourself here is, which complaints are getting my attention and energy? Is Aunt Sally who thinks you should stop sharing how much money you make on social media a complaint to resolve? Or are you only hearing complaints from the people who have actually paid you? Are you taking into account your spouse's thoughts or considerations about how you're running your business, about how you are showing up, maybe how much vulnerability you're showing online? There is not a hard and fast rule here, but it's worth considering who gets a say. And if you decide that this is a case-by-case situation, I think that is perfect. It's not something that needs to be entirely figured out ahead of time, and I don't think it can be. But if you are feeling like you've got a lot of opinions coming your way, which are maybe different, maybe the same as the complaints that are coming through, what is getting your 
and energy and attention to solve. Because when I am thinking about the stuff that I really want to make sure of how, how I'm making adjustments in my business, I want the information from the clients who are paying me. And to me, that is pretty much at the top. I want to know that they're getting what they paid for. And I want their voices to be heard and land on me and make adjustments from there. We are certainly not going to know when or if disagreements, feedback, complaints, disappointment, all of that stuff. We don't know when that's going to happen in our business. And it doesn't make sense to me for us to be afraid of it either, even though we don't know when or if it's coming. So getting on your own team, having your own back, really loving how you're showing up in your business feels like the best medicine in this situation. If you're someone who has experienced a dissatisfied customer, which I have experienced that, and it doesn't feel like it has been processed, I want to encourage you to surrender to that emotion, to feel whatever it is. Shame grows when it's hidden. When you shine the flashlight on it, all it can do is shrink. So find it, love on it. Whatever is hiding out for you around this, I just want to really encourage you to feel it fully, cry it out, and then make decisions on how you want to move forward. If there's any changes that you want to make, if there is something that needs to be said to this dissatisfied person, maybe, maybe not. But feeling it first and then acting from that grounded space, that's how you want to move forward. That's how you want to move out of this. I do hope that you have a great rest of your week and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're loving the podcast and want custom help with your business, we should have a one-on-one conversation. Sign up for your free 60-minute consultation where we'll uncover exactly what is holding you back from your next level in business. I'll share with you three mindset and strategy shifts to create the fastest new results. The link to book is in the show notes. Talk to you soon.